You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. This here is Andy Neal, and you are listening to The Insiders, the podcast from the DisneyInsider.com and the Decast that brings you everything Hollywood from a Disney perspective. I am Andy Neal coming to you from Hippieville, Oregon, and of course, I have with me from La La Land, California, Skylar Schuler. How are you doing today, Skylar? Not too bad. Just uh, staying quarantined here at home, uh, trying to catch up on some movies and series on different streaming services just relaxing staying safe um giving me time to kind of work on the website while you know i have nothing i've been else doing the do. same thing uh, but not i've been doing bad. the same thing with the decast website just trying to get it all updated and stuff but with us we have all the way from internet california the man the myth the legend the pixar theorist author host of the cinemaholics podcast film reviewer the one the only mr john negroni how do you do today john Hey, I'm doing quite fine. How, how are you doing, Andy? If, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. You know, um, trying to. I was I was on the edge of getting my my career in the film industry kind of going. I had a bunch of projects lined up, and then it was like smack. Yeah. Everything shut down. So it's like, luckily I had some savings, so we're I'm fine. But it's just, I'm raring to get out, and get shooting, getting on projects again if they even happen. You know, it is what it is. I'm feeling that frustration. Yeah, because you have that you have that creators. Itch, I need to make stuff. You know, I was yep. like I. I I've known you long enough, you know, that like you like to do, I do things I do. and uh, thank you for everybody sacrificing that, that feeling of wanting to go out and do things and have fun and be creative and, and all of that to, for the sake yes. of other people. I, I did tell awesome. start our local film commission is putting on a social distance film festival. Unfortunately, because I am the head of the film festival, I can't submit, but that's been kind of cool getting that already It's for free, but it's been facilitating other creators in the the southern oregon area to go ahead and you know make stuff which is i'm always i'm all for that so yeah is this the curation of new films or is this one of those things where like 12 people are like are you gonna do the social network it's, the social yeah distancing? essentially i i will i'll see what we get when we get the submissions um they're due next week i'll see i'll kind of see what happens but we have a lot of cool filmmakers here a lot of people are just kind of sitting at home so we're just kind of seeing what they can do from home with a phone instead of you know their red camera essentially just for fun and somebody sponsored it so there's a four one hundred dollar uh prizes i'm very excited to, to be able to do that but yeah most people don't know this area's actually got a lot of filmmakers wild was filmed here Coraline was based on here so i love this area it's uh love yes. those also i forgot to say hey to Skyler. Hi, Skyler. Hey, Skyler. Hey, hey guys how you been Good. It's been a while. Thank you for contributing, both of you, to the top ten movies of 2019 on Cinemaholics. Always love having oh, yeah. y'all's y'all's films in the mix. I, 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 yeah, it was our my, my second year doing it, and uh, it's always a blast. Um, yeah, you know, because Andy always I'm, misses the deadline. Yeah, <laughs> I, I usually try and get as close to the deadline, but didn't I miss know, it this year? Um, just, <laughs> I think I you did. But you, you, still, get, you still you yeah. still movies. So yeah. I still appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I try. I try to catch up as best I can. It's so hard because there's just so many movies that get, sadly, maybe not this year, but there's so many movies that get released every year that you know I gotta try and catch up on the ones I missed. I want to be 
super fair when I give it out these lists. No, but you're doing an awesome job with uh, Cinemaholics. I've I always loved what you guys yes. do over there, and uh, I'm 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 always appreciative of when you uh, think of us when it comes to that stuff. So, Thanks, so, so Skyler, I, I, we're, we're having some goofy times there. I, so I have to I, ask: Are, are you no longer the official podcast of a certain website? Oh, thank no, God! Oh, no, thank we broke God! Away from them in 2018. Okay, good. Yeah, for reasons that are obvious, they have no one covered <laughs> on anything. Sky- <laughs> we we went fully. Yeah, they, they, they blocked yeah. me because I kept calling them out. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's good that you you called them out. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's this? Anyways, yeah, usually it's tough, man. I mean, that was my first run tomatoes, like you know entry was through that and so like it's sad to see it but man they've just gone so downhill yeah clickbait clickbait hey but you know what you gained uh you gained a lot more experience with it you know i think i even know where that site is now um i'm not one to get on the podcast and trash anyone but um you know at least you gained some experience like you have yes you know a a certified review out there somewhere now Um, and and now you can post it somewhere else Yes, Isaac Feldberg, Matt Donato, some really awesome guys coming oh, out yeah. of that thing. So, you know, it's not those, it's not those folks. It's not yep. those folks. Yeah, it's the clickbait. That's happening with all the websites right now, unfortunately, because people are just it's it's cutthroat out there. I hate it. But anyways, this is usually part of the show where we do the box office rundown, but there is no box office rundown. Uh, week after week, it's been uh, my friends who produced uh, Phoenix, Oregon, because they're doing this really cool like profit sharing like stream at home and sharing with the independent theaters which is really cool if you want to find out about it go to phoenixoregonmovie.com i gotta keep plugging it because they're the only one who's doing anything that's you know getting on the websites right now getting on box office mojo but uh we're actually gonna... well right hey andy real quick though i mean if we're plugging things can of i plug course, something box office of related yeah so i don't know if you know this but uh i'm the box office columnist for adam tickets yeah people know that if this in cinemaholics that's a joke um but because of you know there's no movies which everyone realizes at the moment uh you can check out my box office column i started a new one called tales from the box office and so you can learn about the movies the classic films blockbusters everything in between and how their box office legacy matches up to the movies of today for example we did mad max this past week yeah and so i looked at the budget and the return on that and compared it to basically saying if you adjust for inflation it's like if patty cakes from 2017 i don't know if either of you saw that one oh right 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 if the uh, patty cakes the rap movie right yes if that movie had made the same amount of money as john wick chapter three that is like what mad max was able to do in 1980 so it's oh, wow. it's fun stuff like that. Definitely check it out. It's on adamtickets.com. What are you plugging, Skyler? Uh, you know, I am plugging the Diz Insider, yes. the Dcast, and uh, anything John wants to plug, I'm also always here to support. So that's what I'm well, plugging. Speaking of the Diz Insider, uh, I just want to kind of catch everybody up with what's going on as far as the production schedule and release schedules of films right now, we have Marvel, Pixar and Disney's moving everything around. So Skylar, all of our resources are coming from disinsider.com. What's going on with all the schedules? Who's going where, what, and why? Yeah. So, uh, we, as we know, just a few weeks ago, Disney revamped their whole theatrical release schedule, which basically moved, uh, a couple films off, uh, till next year, which includes jungle cruise. It pushed, uh, Eternals back a few months. All the Marvel movies basically shifted into each other's release dates. 
um, you know, all due to the the, the coronavirus. Uh, we, we see Mulan coming in July. July, we'll see about that. Soul was moved uh, a couple weeks later. Um, but, you know, just last week, Marvel Studios made some more adjustments. Uh, they actually moved Doctor Strange from New- November mm-hmm. 5th, 2021. They moved it to March 25th, 2022. Um, gives it a little more time, a little more pre-production time with Sam Raimi on, on board and... Uh, so that that might be uh, best for that film. Uh, another film that was actually moved was Thor Love and Thunder, but it actually moved up a week. So it went from February 18th, 2022 to February 11th, 2022. Uh, so a li- tiny bit of good news uh, if you're a fan of that franchise. And then on the Sony Marvel side, they actually moved both Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse 2 and uh, the untitled Tom Holland-led Spider-Man film from July 16th, 2021 to November 5th, 2021, which was Doctor Strange's date. Um, so as we stand right now, you have Black Widow coming in November, Eternals in February of next year, as well as Shang-Chi in May of next year, Spider-Man 3, which will land in November of next year. Uh, and then in 2022, we have Thor 4 in February, Doctor Strange 2 in March, Black Panther 2 in May, and then Captain Marvel 2 on July 8th. Um, and of course, we don't know the you know the outlook of everything that's going on. So just know there's possibilities, and I think very likely um, we can see a lot of these productions shift yeah. again. Um, it's just a matter of kind of waiting and seeing what's going yeah. on. So my question for both of you is with all the changes, what does this mean theatrically for the Disney company? Um, Disney stock as of November was up to $151 per share. It got as low as 85. When I was at the 85 mark, there was rumors of Apple swooping in and buying up Disney. I don't think that would ever actually happen, at least not at this point. Uh, but it's back up to $106 a share right now. There has been announced furloughs. And as we know, Disney has a lot of cash. What does this mean for the Disney company with all this shifting going, going around as far as theatrical? What's it going to mean for them you know, financially? What is, is it going to have any impact on the parks? Let's start with you, John. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and the, the parks thing we definitely have to get back to. My personal opinion is that Disney's going to be fine. D- Disney, they're good. They're losing, what, $30 million yeah. a day. But we have to keep it in perspective that they fundraised for this. They prepared for this. They knew that this was going to happen. And so they have $30 billion in the bank right now. They have, what, 12 and a half mm-hmm. in debts, which they I think their obligation is over the yeah. next two years. So if, of all of the entertainment companies out there, I think no surprise to anyone, Disney's in the absolute best position out of anyone. I'm more concerned about Universal. I'm, compar- I'm concerned about yes. oh, Sony. I am too. Paramount. Those are the those are the ones who are like who's buying them, you know. Uh, that, that's that's a totally different conversation. But in terms of Disney, you're right. The tourism is where they're truly in a lot of trouble because the the thing with these release dates is that we're seeing them just switch them around when they need to, based on production, based on how long they have to wait before they can do overseas production, and the way that they want to tell the story that's happening with all these movies. I don't believe for a second this is set in stone. I mean, just look at it. Like, from Thor to Cap- Captain Marvel 2, that's, what, four Marvel movies over the course of, like, mm-hmm. six months? Like, to me, yeah. these feel like placeholder dates. Like, a th- personally, Spider-Man in November, kind of strange. They might be going for, like, a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse thing, but that movie wasn't hugely successful at the box office. It was yeah. just well-liked. Right. 
And yeah, and that's a summer movie. Like Spider-Man made a billion dollars. Uh, I think Far From Home made a billion. So I don't think they're looking at Spider-Man 3 risking that in a, in a holiday release date where they don't know the appetite. They have more evidence against the appetite for Spider-Man not being as great in the holiday season. And then also, yeah, I just... The idea of a, of a Thor movie in February, I think Eternals yeah. makes sense. But the Thor one, I'm I'm skeptical, but I'm not totally closed off to the idea. What about you, Skylar? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree there. I think Thor is probably the better November release, um, as we've seen in you know in the past. And maybe Spider-Man's the better you know release in February. Still a little weird, but. Um, yeah, I, I think this gives us more time for Disney to kind of focus on pre-production. They have so many projects in development right now, not even greenlit, but in, you know, in early development, whether it's, you know, story ideas, get new scripts written. Um, there's just so much. And we're talking about how stacked 2021 is to 2022 with five or six Marvel movies just back to back to back to back. And that's on top of, you know, films like the Disney live action remakes they're consistently doing, whether it's the little mermaid that's was getting ready to shoot up. You know, you have Cruella coming in 2021. You have soul that was moved, uh, moved back. You have Ryan, the last dragon, you have Peter Pan and Wendy that's in production. Uh, you look at other Disney animation films that are still slated for, uh, release dates on those placeholder dates. Um, Things are going to shift and change um, on the park side. That's going to be huge. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe like 40% of the revenue is, you know, yeah. parks driven. Um, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So on the film side, you know, it 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 hurts, but I think it's very temp temporary. This is something Disney can easily come out of. Luckily, Disney Plus is still, you know, adding new subscribers. They're finding ways to add uh, new content, whether it's these. Olaf shorts or throwing in the sing along or, you know, trying to rush these movies on to Disney Plus, whether it's an Artemis Fowl and what I very, very, very believe will be the one and only Ivan, which is supposed to come out in August. Um, so, yeah, I I think we'll get out of it pretty soon. I, it's it's just like I said prior, it's a wait and see kind of moment. We don't know what's happening as of right now. It's we're kind of all in the dark at the moment. Um, and until the theaters open, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing uh, is going to be up for debate. Um, we're not going to yeah. know for sure. And obviously, once, you know, movie theaters open and Disney decides, OK, this is what we're going to do. I can guarantee you there's going to be a press release where all these films are going to get shuffled yeah. around again because they have so many projects in the works from Disney, Star Wars, uh, uh, you know, Disney Animation, Pixar, you know, it, all across the board. Um we're going to see a, a ton of stuff get moved here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, in the future, I should say. So I think that's where we're at. It's a wait and see kind of so thing. So we, we touched on this a little bit. What about the parks? I mean, I know this isn't film, but Disney currently operates six parks around the world. They are all currently closed. This is unprecedented. Um, they, are, they have furloughed or laid off their, most of their workforce. And yet they, Disney has money sitting in the bank. Um, there, the, the the I can't remember her name escapes me at the moment, but the uh, the heir to Walt Disney um, tweeted Abigail, Abigail. Disney tweeted oh, Abigail. out basically what the f Disney after the furloughs were announced. Um, what as a company is Disney doing the right thing, laying off or furloughing their parks employees while they have all this money in the bank, yet still trying to satisfy stockholders? I mean, it is a balance. Is it? 
economics over people? What's what's the better plan here? Hmm. Who wants to take that one? Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a broad that's a broad yes, it question. Is. Um, it is. It is. I do. I I am very very interested in uh, you know John's take though. <laughs> sure. Uh, you say that now. Well, you know, it, it's complicated, right? Because it's like you said, Andy, that Disney does has an, it does have an obligation to yeah. its shareholders. I think one thing that they are planning for at this point is they know that this whole controversy is going to raise scrutiny for things that they were already doing, things that they were already being unfair in terms of the wage gaps between their employees and the people mm-hmm. at the very top. And that is just going to, whether you agree with that or not, that is going to expose them to a lot of public scrutiny because a lot it's going to open them up to controversy that they've kind of skated by because once in a while they do something that is genuinely a good move, uh, like raising the minimum wage to $15 for employees. And they were paying for health insurance for, I think, uh, I forget how many months it is. And they're still, they were still paying some employees for the first month, like doing things here and there. I think where they're going to run into trouble and they're going to run under a lot of scrutiny with their employees and with people who are watching them in that stock price is if they try to take taxpayer money yes, because this oh. is one of the companies that does not need it. And the, the thing that they're going to bounce back with is they're going to say that they, they need that taxpayer money for their employees and, and the unemployment benefits and, and what have you. And the problem with that argument is that if you really look at the numbers, the, the money that they would save, like keeping the parks as is like, of course, they're going to have to lay off some people, but what we're going to see, the reality of what's going to happen later this year is at some point they might open up the parks this year or early 2021. We don't know, right? But when they open up the parks and they ramp up uh, production on their movies once again and they start doing all these things, they are going to cut costs mm-hmm. on everything. They're going to have to pay employees less. They're going to have to cut corners on a lot of production budgets. Uh, it's going to affect a lot of the entertainment we're getting. They're going to invest more in things that are cheaper. And it's going to affect every affect everything from our Star Wars TV shows to our movies. And in some ways, it's not going to be a big deal. It's things that we're not not going to affect the content itself, right? Because we might still get a really cool Star Wars show with unknown actors instead of like Robert yeah. Downey Jr., who like has such a high salary, right? But like I said before, there, there's so many layers to this. There are so many opportunities, I'll call them, for the salaries of these guys and the things that they've done to sort of maintain their bonuses and everything like that. And it's not going to look good when they're still paying themselves what they're paying themselves. Uh, I know some some executives like Bybiger have done certain things where they're not being paid as much, um, but it like pales in comparison to their perks and, and dividends and everything like that. Um, people are going to look at that and be like, you're cutting costs here. You're laying off these people. And yet right. you're still, you know, <laughs> you know it, it's not going to look good, basically. What do you think, Skylar? Man, those are uh, good points. And, and let me be honest with you. I don't know. I don't think anyone – no one really knows for sure. That's that's the big thing. And, and let's be honest. Whatever Disney does, whether it's good or bad, there's going to be scrutiny on the Disney company. Whether they do something good, whether it's fans think it or you know the media doesn't or vice versa, um, you know it, Disney will get scrutinized either way. Um, I think what's going to happen personally, and um, 
it might, whether it's good or bad, is you know they're going to take this time. They're going to see what is a necessity for their parks and what is an amenity that they can easily get rid of. Okay, we're going to get rid of you know smaller things that we don't think we need now. And and this is just an example. I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is what it, what it is. Uh, maybe the stage shows go. Maybe they don't want to pay those stage show workers. Maybe they don't want to pay live shows. Maybe they cut on parades. Maybe they cut on you know World of Color and they run the park at the bare minimum until they feel safe enough to restart some of these programs and events um i i want to believe i want to believe that you know what that's what they do in order to focus on their employees and their cast members and staff and get them back in there you know because you know they're they're running the Mm -hmm. ship you know uh, on the front lines like yeah the executives make the big decisions but it's those cast members that are that are ultimately running the magic there and um you know, it, I think we're going to see a lot of cuts in the parks, you know, more on entertainment side than anything. Because entertainment isn't, you know, it, it, it's not a necessity mm-hmm. when running a business. It, it, entertainment has always been second. And in any business that you're in, entertainment is, you know, it'll, it loses money. And I, and I don't mean that with like movies like movies always yeah movies make money movies lose money but the best example i can give is i used to be an entertainment supervisor at a uh, at a casino and you know our model was you know gambling makes the money the bar sales make the money entertainment is just there to drive mm-hmm. those sales and if we think those sales are dropping due to entertainment and entertainment's not that necessity anymore. Then we get rid of some parts of entertainment. And I think the Disney company is going to be the exact same way in certain areas. I'm not saying they're going to get away, get, you know, take away world of color or take away a parade. I'm saying they may look at some of those smaller things that do cost a lot of money. Cause you look at, you know, uh, paint the night, which cost ridiculous amounts of yes, money to run each night. Uh, you would take something like that away and maybe add something smaller scale and furlough that money elsewhere. And that, that's just my opinion. I, I, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, you know, like John, you just said, you know, Disney is still good in the bank right now. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping I'm wrong and they can recover quickly and maybe, maybe all that's wrong, but that's what I think happens personally. I think ultimately too, you're going to get a situation where the rest of the entertainment industry both theme park, films, television, are going to be looking to seeing what the Disney company does because they are in the best position compared to anyone else right now. Having the Fox merger just completed, having Disney Plus just launched, having $30 billion in the bank and only $12 billion of liabilities over the next two years, they are in the best position. Universal is not in a good position, obviously. Um, Your other studios are just not in a very good position to really compete right now. Uh, because the, the the sheer fact of the matter, to, to stop a production, that's a huge thing. And the vast majority of the time when production gets stopped on a film, I've actually been on a feature like film where production was stopped, it costs so much to shut it down that unless there is some huge names or huge donors behind it, funding it, it's not going to get restarted. So Disney's in a very good position in that they have the capital if they choose to restart things back up. But I think you're going to see a lot of smaller projects get furloughed for years, possibly, as far as the theme parks, I think Skylar, you're right on as far as they're going to cut back on things that are non-essential. Um, and also, I like what John said about the taxpayer money. Are they going to take the taxpayer money? That's a huge yeah. um, 
media liability for them. Um, I the, just announced today the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, took taxpayer money. They ended up giving it back when they said they found out other people didn't get what they were supposed to get. But you know, when LeBron James is making tens of millions of dollars, did they really need to go ahead and take a tax money? Yeah. Uh, it, and we we should point out why they can get away with it, and the reason is because they have so much mm-hmm. leverage over the state of Florida. They have so much leverage over our government, and they have leverage over the media. You know, they oh, they time. so it, it's one of those things where you know they're going to point to the good things that they're doing, and in some cases, rightfully so. I mean, look at SeaWorld. Right there, there's a a, a a group that is not treating their employees well. They laid off. Uh, I think they just stopped paying most of their staff with like no safety net, no backup plan. And then I think it was like a couple of weeks later, some of their executives got a, like a couple million dollars or something like. It was actually more than that. And so there, there's stuff like that where you compare and you're like, yeah, Disney's a little bit, you know, like uh, yeah. you know they they actually are handling this a little bit better. But I honestly think that. Bringing up the parks is really important because this is making February make so much sense now because we were I remember a lot of us were really confused over why Iger stepped down. Why, you know, he decided he was going to be executive chairman and who does he put in charge of the whole company? The guy in charge of parks, the guy who isn't super popular with parks fandom, Mm -hmm. like a lot of Disney parks, people have a lot of really pressing concerns about Bob Chappick. And it's more and more looking, not saying this definitively, like he's the fall guy. Like he's a guy who furloughed the employees, signed off on all of these financial decisions that are going to ruin people's lives. And then here comes Bob Iger back as CEO to kind of save the day. And I'm just saying that's not that's not a huge conspiracy theory. I just think that Bob Iger is many things. He's a great delegator. He is a nice person who works really well with people and he's really good at corporate storytelling. He knows how to tell a good story and the story of how he came back out of pseudo retirement a year and a half early in order to save Disney. I mean, that's, if that's really the case, I got to hand it to him because that's pretty creative. Yeah. And and not to mention Bob Iger um, and and you, everything you've listed about him is true. And, And Iger is, He's the face when it comes to these pressing situations when it comes to the Disney company. Whether you look back at the uh, the death of the young child in Florida, he was there to kind of you know, set mm-hmm. the course in the water with the media. And he, I think he did a really good job not only working with the family but with the media to, to calm the storm in, in a tragedy. And you know, you, you, gotta, you have to have someone that can handle the media, that can handle a crisis like this because bob Iger has been put into a couple crisis uh in his tenure as uh tenure as ceo so um you know i and coo to be honest yeah yep, absolutely um and you know what whatever chapek does in the future you know good luck to him um but he he wouldn't be the guy to do it he's he's just not that experienced in this sense you know in a a tragedy and an epidemic especially what we're facing now so yeah i i, I agree with everything you said but yeah bob Iger's the one that knows how to sail these yeah, waters that's why he that's why he was brought in that's why he's been been so successful because not only 
did he drive the company towards more success? He's been the face of the company. He's been able to tell a good narrative for the company and, and doing a very, very compelling job and made Disney what it is today. Um, doing an excellent job of that. Where he goes from here, we're only gonna, we're gonna find out. With that though, we are gonna take a quick break for our pay the bills with one of our sponsors here. And then we're gonna have a little discussion on uh, what the film going experience is gonna look like once theaters open back up. Stay tuned. Right, so we are back and uh of course i got skylar schuler and john negroni here and uh my question is guys simple what's it gonna look like to go to the movies once uh everything opens back up to semi-normal like to the point where you know the theaters are open you can buy a ticket on a random thursday uh, let's start with you john well, that's the thing, right, is uh, some states are saying, open your theaters, and movie theaters are like, no, <laughs> and why would we? Uh, it, it Right now, obviously, is way too early, it's too premature, but we're obviously seeing some states, um, notably ones that are a little bit more conservative, are a little bit more of like, we're really pro the government reopening as soon as possible, not that those two things are mutually exclusive, but they appear to be at this moment. And in those situations, uh, I think these governors are trying to give the green light to a lot of businesses to basically flip the switch. And the problem with that is you can't really tell these movie theaters what to do because they aren't very independent. Yes. Now, if the movie theaters were making their own movies, it would be one thing. But these movie theaters are all about making money and it's kind of hard to make money when, sure, you have all of these measures in the first place in order to make the theater possibly safer for people but uh hollywood's not quite as confident because they're looking at this this slate of movies and until they can i think it was amc who actually said this it's like and i'll, I'll paraphrase uh in, in my voice this is how i would have responded basically saying what they said it's like, we can't just release a bunch of movies in a row right now that people aren't going to see that you know if we don't have uh, a schedule here that we're confident in that these studios are going to put marketing in because that affects mm -hmm. the movie theaters. Like if people aren't coming to the theaters because nobody's paying for marketing, we're losing money constantly. So it's stuff like that. Where it's like a lot of things need to happen before movie theaters reopen. And when they do reopen to kind of get to your question, that's going to be further down the road than a lot of us are hoping for. Now, maybe movie theaters will open up in the summer with Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I understand that that is a that is a big like splashy movie. It's from a filmmaker who will not settle for streaming traditionally. And I honestly think if movie theaters are open, then they're going to show this movie and people will go. And it could cause a lot of health problems obviously, and it makes me wonder if Mulan would actually follow suit based on how that turns out. The other hurdle though is whether or not all theaters across the country are going to open. And I think the only way this happens is if most theaters in every state actually open. Until that happens, I don't think these movie studios are are going to feel confident putting their huge investments and marketing dollars into restarting the theater business. Yeah, those are great points. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm going to get a lot of hate here. Um, 
and I'm not a big, big, big politics guy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I don't like to dive into politics. Anyone that follows me on social media, I, I rarely get into politics. I just love talking movies and Disney. Um, but this actually does kind of hit me because it, it's it is. I love movies. Movie the movie going experience is my one of my favorite things of all time. Um, so a lot of people are going to be angry with me at this. I think. The earliest, you know, I, I could – and I don't know. I'm not a health official. I'm not a government official. The earliest you can do something like this is in the summer, September, and that's still risking things. Um, like you said, this is a big uh, – John, this is a big risk not only to the theaters but to their employees. Um, now, uh, government stuff, things can change due to the situation, but like – Let's say their employees are on unemployment, you know, whether it's temporary or, you know, they're they're on unemployment. This is what's happening. If the movie theaters open and they rehire that staff and bring them back in, they can't file for unemployment and you know, for another eighteen yeah. months. Um and that's what I'm trying to get at is like in China, and now these theaters were smaller. They opened what six hundred to seven hundred theaters in China three weeks ago. They were reopening these smaller theaters, and then they immediately closed down because there was a spike again in uh, infections. So if that were to happen here, let's say in July, and it would absolutely, yeah, let's say in, yeah in July, Tenet and Mulan releases two, like you said, two big, huge blockbuster films. You get your employees back. Awesome. You had unemployment. Now you're back. The movie theater, you know, we're we're not done. We're obviously we're not close to being done with this. You know, there's still rises in new cases every day. We're still sadly we're still hearing about deaths. This isn't something that just goes away in a month or two months. This is a global pandemic. And sadly, if a AMC or a Regal opens and these employees come back after being on unemployment and it doesn't work, and in August they say, you know what, we got to shut down again, what does where does that put your employees? Yeah. It puts them in a huge position where they can't file again for unemployment. It hurts them. It hurts the theaters. You know, if they think, okay, the government's saying we can open up, let's open up, we need to make our money, and that's understandable. I get that on a business side, but it does hurt them. It hurts the studios. You know, the studios are going to want to put their movies out, like I said, and I totally understand that. But you're, with these social distancing measures they're trying to make with, you know, with, uh, you know, with theaters to make the movie-going experience a little safer, that means you're not filling up capacity to all your theaters. So a Mulan's probably not going to make, or a Tenant's not going to make its maximum, you know, you know, uh, production, but or excuse me, uh, gross. It's it's just not going to happen. And the safest thing to do is what other movies and studios are doing: pushing your blockbusters mm-hmm. back to a safer spot. Where you can make your most income, it's just not going to work with the safety measures. I am not a fan of opening theaters yeah. early. I am all about you know, let's stay at home quarantines. You know, essential workers, uh, they they are you know they're the heroes right now. You know, keep your pharmacies open, keep your you know your food staff open, keep your hospitals open. Theaters is an, an inter- is an entertainment experience, and like I said earlier. Entertainment should always come second. As much as we love entertainment, it should. It, it shouldn't become a priority to where it can affect the health of us and our loved ones. And yeah, that's that's my little passionate, you know, thoughts and opinions. Yeah. And if you guys disagree, yeah, please, please. No, it's, you're, spot you're, spot, you're spot on. Yeah, I, I think it's spot. 
I, the only thing I would. Oh yeah, oh, go, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, John. Ah, uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, I was just gonna say there there is a scenario where I this is what they're talking about, right? Where they're thinking okay, we're going to accelerate to where we've all sort of seen the state of movie making going, where the only things that go to theaters are event movies. We have all these theaters sitting around that have some of them up to like 20, 25 screens. And so how do you, how does Mulan make its money? Well, I think the wishful thinking happening right now with some people, several different studios is, well, Fast and Furious 9, Tenet, Mulan, if it's the only movie out, if they set some sort of arrangement where Mulan's the only movie playing for four weeks, it's in every single screen, and each screen is a 25% capacity, and there are fewer show times because they have to deep seat, they have to deep clean the seats, they have to block off every seat or every two seats because this virus can live on these seats for days, mm-hmm. right? Like you cannot you know, rely on, uh, like, you don't want to be sitting in a seat that hasn't been deep clean. It's like what they're doing with the airlines right now. That's the only possible way. And then even then, I don't think to what you're saying, Skylar, they're going to get the return on investment they're looking for. I don't think there's a way for Disney, Universal, Paramount, all of these studios, Warner Brothers, like, they're not going to agree, like, okay, this is your month, this is your month, this is your month. It's going to be sort of like one studio strong-arming the other. So the only other avenue, the only other way I could see this happening, and this could be a little bit further down the road, look at AMC Theaters. They are, how much are they in debt right now? Four point, almost $5 billion. Yeah, I saw that. Who buys AMC? AMC has more theaters around the United States than anyone, right? Um, I, th- right. I think it's AMC, then Regal, or Cinemark. like Cinemark Century, Regal. Yeah. They're kind of in the AM- same zone. AMC, Disney buys yeah, AMC. Definitely. AMC is the number one distributor right Disney, now, along with then Regal, then Cinemark um, Century. Disney buys AMC, mm-hmm. easy. Bob Iger needs to do something. And... What better way of consolidating the movie theater business forever or for the foreseeable future is recognizing that the Supreme Court is mostly conservative right now. They can buy AMC theaters, take it to the Supreme Court, and the way the justices are lined up right now, based on the decisions they've made in a lot of similar cases, I think the Paramount decree is on its way out. And I think the coronavirus pandemic, it's it's going to accelerate was already in the works this is something we've already sort of been speculating could happen. And that is a return to what movie theater, what the movie theater business used to be, which is one studio being able to buy up mm-hmm. theaters and only show yep. their movies. And if Disney can buy AMC and they can release only their movies in a theater to make sure they're getting all the money that they can before people are going to feel safe enough to go to theaters that are fully packed because that's their current business model is pack people in these theaters like sardines. That is the only way. And if Bob Iger manages to pull that off and the Supreme court lets them do it, he is a hero for the entire business world. He's a hero because people get to go to the movies again to see Disney movies. And uh, he's a hero because employees get their jobs. Um, However, the long-term side effects are not going to be readily apparent. And people are not, I don't think, going to understand the horrible implications of one studio 
being the only game in town like it used to be. It will choke and stifle creativity from everyone. And so that is the thing that keeps me up at night. And uh, it's something that's really bothering me. As a positive. And there's a there's a, li- a tiny bit of that feeling already. I mean, with, you know, Disney merging with Fox and, you know, gaining all these properties. There's that tiny bit of feeling, probably not to the extent as what you're talking about just yet, um, if that were to happen. Um, But yeah, you you hit the nail on the coffin. And one thing is just a side note in regards to like the movie going uh, experience. I I always the one argument I I don't like and maybe, you know, a little better than I do, uh, John, especially when you're covering box office is the VOD argument. you know, I, I keep saying, oh, well, Trolls did really well for VOD, and w- they didn't push that back. They just released that, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, it made, what, $40, $40 million? Uh, Almost through 50 st- mm-hmm. in a week? Yeah, through, like through streaming, which, which, is, which is a little higher than yeah. I expected, but sure. mind you – we don't know we're playing the what if here we don't know how it would have done in the in with a theatrical release there's a it's a sequel to a a film a family film that you know did semi well for the studio i mean who's to say this movie didn't make 60 70 million at the box office and i don't believe for a second every single movie that gets released on vod and uh streaming does that well like i i just i do not see it happening yeah i think a scoob will do it will do fine because it's a known mm-hmm. ip but I, I couldn't see like a a you know a non horror movie or an indie movie just doing it those kinds of numbers so i i really i really think just holding off and waiting so key here um for films and i understand there's going to be some smaller films um that it makes sense to do it that way like lovebirds is going to netflix which excites me to to be honest um and and of course netflix is a powerhouse right now um can't remember if they overpassed Disney and then Disney overpassed them or vice versa, but you know th- that's a smart move. But it doesn't work that way for every single movie. So I just yeah. And the argument we're getting there. from some YouTubers who keep giving wrong information oh, about the whole VOD argument, how Disney's doing that, how that's the way to go. That's a fundamental misunderstanding of how the film industry works. The profit margins are so thin, especially for your small indie theaters for the people who are working it's they can't do that if disney was to release mulan for instance on disney plus they would have to triple their subscribership to break even um on demand works for some films but that is that's not going to be the future of films and i'm tired of people trying to peddle that trolls too we i I mean i have Mm. i have three kids they're cooped up yeah we did it we paid 20 dollars to have it for 48 hours and likely I would have taken all three of my kids and paid like something like 40 bucks for the whole family to go, 50 bucks for the whole family to go. Which right. you look at it from that perspective, that movie likely would have made between 60 and $70 million opening weekend. It's, it's, it's just not a viable as of right now for those kind of films with the kind of money they're pouring into these films. It's not a viable business model. And people don't understand what, what it means. Like the whole distribution of films um, the theaters aren't going to open back up until production is securely started back up because the film industry is a machine. Hollywood makes it, the theaters distribute it. And if they, at some point they start showing movies again and then there's a kink, there's a spike, something happens to where production stops again, that throws off the movie theaters. And then like you said, Scholar, they got to shut everything down. 
They're not going to do anything. AMC, Cinemark, Regal, and the smaller indie theaters are not going to do anything until they are secure in the fact that production is starting back up in Hollywood with all the studios and is not going to be interrupted. Yeah, I was just, you know, you mentioned the margins for movie theaters. And here's what worries me, though, because Trolls hits VOD, Trolls World Tour, and VOD, all indications point to they actually do get more of that money. Now, I think this was a very special circumstance. It was a situation where everybody's stuck at home and there are no new movies. So it drove a lot of people to possibly rent this thing to keep their kids distracted, honestly. And I, I don't think you can really replicate that to a lot of other different types of films. That said... For trolls, I think it's just the sort of thing. It's only stupid till yeah. it works, right? Or it's only impossible until it works. And in this case, this is giving permission to try something different where uh, where, D- where Disney can probably sense this of like getting more money from that box office is really enticing, especially for animated films because traditionally non-Disney, non-Pixar animated sequels have been mm-hmm. failing across the board. Lego Movie 2, the second part. How oh. to Train Your Dragon 3. Uh, with the, it, Unless it's Frozen 2 or Toy Story 4, Secret Life of Pets 2, right? Oh, that's Th- the these are one. all movies that made, like, what? Secret Life of Pets made almost like a billion dollars in 2016. 2019, nobody nope. showed up for that movie. So I look at Trolls World Tour, and I was not expecting that movie to make the same amount. I think the first movie made around, like, $47 million in its opening weekend. I was expecting it was going to make somewhere maybe around like 20, Ooh. somewhere like around half, because that would be more in line with how these movies have been performing, especially outside of the summer season. So put all of those circumstances together. I think you have a weird mix of circumstances that are just going to confuse people. And they're going to uh, I'm, I'm talking about confusing like the people who are like starting up production and trying to decide where to put these movies. But to what right. you're saying, Andy, no. Mulan's not going to be yeah. on Disney Plus. Like, it's not going to probably not going to be on VOD, almost certainly, because if they're not releasing that in China, they are not yeah, getting exactly. their investment exactly. back. Yeah, they they want that movie to succeed. That that's huge for them. Mulan's got a huge production budget. They want to make that money back. There's already talks of a sequel into early, early development. They want that movie to succeed, and the only way it's going to succeed is with a full theatrical That includes China. To get the most eyes on it. Exactly. Yeah, there's no other way. So my last question before we close things out, what does this do for your indie theater, for your art house theaters, um, for your studios like your Blumhouse and you know your A24s, and you're just, you have your auteur filmmakers who just want to make a good film, and maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't. What does that do for your small theaters? Start with you, Skylar. Oh, you know, that's... For smaller theaters, that's tough. I don't know how smaller theaters survive, to be honest, if you're not an AMC Regal. Um, I could be wrong. These smaller art house theaters, they're not funded the way the bigger theaters are. I, I mean, you could possibly release indie films and smaller scale films and get you know get people in there it's it's so it's tough i i personally think it's tough it's these are these are theaters that are already struggling Mm -hmm. to stay open and you look at amc and you know what they're losing 
currently and how much debt they're in and now we're now we're looking at smaller smaller scale theaters where it's their funds aren't nearly the same so it's a little tough i i for me the the, the real answer is i i don't know what about you john is there a future for art house film there is a future um i think indie movies are going to be fine um they're gonna there's gonna be some some pain um, there are going to be some movies we'll never get to see or even know that we would have loved, right? Um, they're just not going to happen. And so we have to make peace with that. And But I think as long as there are films, people are going to make them in an independent fashion. I think we're always going to have an independent cinema uh, in some sort of form. I mean, if we can have TikTok videos, <laughs> people know how to make things for the cheap that are endlessly entertaining. I'm feeling pretty optimistic about what people are going to make in the next year, the next two years, because people are just so powerfully creative. That said, I think we have to accept the reality that most local art house theaters are not going to come back. They're going to close. They're going to be gone. Um, One of the art house theaters I used to go to all the time closed before all of this happened. And unless these theaters get bailed out by very rich people who love cinema, yeah, it makes no business sense. And so we sort of we want to be optimistic and we want to hope for the best. But it it's like Skylar said, the perception is that entertainment is not a priority. I definitely think the arts, culture, that's always a priority. And I think those are the things that people go to when they need an escape from what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, with all of the, the everything going on with how isolated people are feeling, the mental health problems people are experiencing, the anxiety, the stress, the death, the loss of loved ones. Uh, I'm dealing in my own family with uh, an uncle who, you know, for an entire week couldn't breathe on his own. You know, we're facing so much right now. And that's when we need the arts the most. And so that's why I'm not super worried about Disney and and all these big movies and everything. I think we really need to put our attention, um, a lot of our attention on our local arts. And I know Andy, you do that all the time. And like, you're so like plugged in and your local scene. And that is the kind of uh, community that is the kind of like setting up film festivals in your area. That's something that it's so simple, but it does so much more than we know for the people we care about. And if there is a place for art house theaters to come back, they will. We can start new ones. We will rebuild, yep. you know, like yeah. their businesses, their buildings, you know, all these things shall to pass. Like we don't have to pretend like everything is set in stone. We should definitely make sure that we have like optimism when it comes to uh, the people in our community who are still here and what we can do in the here and now and uh, just face the consequences as they come. Yeah, let me let me clarify. I was speaking strictly art house homes. I I seriously don't know, and I think the best judge on that the art house films is, is yourself, Andy. You, I think you know that world a little better than I do. Um, I, I I don't know. Sadly, there's not a lot of art house films in my area. I mean, yeah, I can go out a little further out to LA, and you know, there there's some out there, but I don't know. I hope they don't fail. I just wanted to clarify that, and I didn't get to comment on the indie movie side. Just a heads up, A24 and Blumhouse, they are pros mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, oh, yeah. creating and developing these films on a small production budget already. So I think, you know, our indie films and smaller scale horror films are going to be fine. Um, 
that's the one thing those studios are good at. They they create these films on a on a tiny budget and find a way to make a a good uh, profit margin on those. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been saying before all this happened. You have your studios like your Blumhouse, your A twenty four, your Aspiration Studios that they're they're gonna find a way. And then your big studios, your your Disney's, they're gonna keep going. As far as film goes, I think it's those middle those middle ground, those mid-level budget rom-coms, you're going to see less and less of those. They're going to be going straight to Netflix, um, which is just going to change how the movie-watching movie experience goes. It's either going to be the smart, small art house films you see, you know, either at screenings now because a lot of these theaters are going to shutter, or your big Cinemaplex event films, which I love both. Obviously, my, my heart and passion is for the small you know, art house documentary, the, the indie films, but I also, I mean, I host a Disney podcast. I love the big films too. Uh, but it's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see how this landscape changes because there are a lot of people out there, both in the big production side and the small production side who love what they do. They love the art of this and it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I, I, hope and pray like my my one art house theater here we have you know three theaters here two are cinemarks and one is a, a indie art house film the varsity in ashland oregon and i i love it i love our local film festivals here we have three uh, one's kind of getting bigger and i hope that for that to continue but for that to continue people need to to go they need to support these filmmakers these auteurs and you know you're right it's it's those it's art that gets us through john these times, you know, I, much as I love the Disney films and the Marvel films, the films that impact me the most are your small, you know, your A24s, your, your, your small art house films that really kind of speak to you, that make you think your documentaries, your short films that really kind of get to you. And maybe you leave the theater, not feeling happy, go lucky like you did on a Disney film, but it, it changes the way you live. And that's what we need right now. Stories of hope and aspiration. And, um, it's going to be tough, but like you said, we're going to find a way these films will be these, these film houses will be rebuilt. If not, these filmmakers will find different ways to distribute them. Like my friends with, you know, Phoenix, Oregon, the film was set to release wide the week that everything shut down. So they pivoted and they found a way to distribute these films with the art house theaters, share the profit, even though we're talking tens of thousands and not tens of millions, but still it was something. And it's kind of changed the way that, the thinking about how we can distribute these films and still keep our theaters open. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Well said. Yeah. And I would, I would add that, you know, comfort food movies come in all shapes and sizes, whether they're Disney movies. Like I was rewatching Pinocchio because I wanted to smile. I wanted to have a good time, (laughs) you know? And then, but then I'm also watching something, um, you know, that's like a uh, bad education on HBO, which is a little bit more in the middle. Like you're saying, it's like, yeah, these, these films will yeah. find a way, you know, not to quote a movie <laughs> we've all watched plenty of times. So with that guys, uh, Skylar, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me Skylar Schuler on social media. You can check out the Diz Insider as well as Decast, uh, and then check out the DizInsider.com. 
um, doing our best to just report on you know some good news, things in development, some projects in the works. Trying my best to make sure the the Disney news is good news on the website. Yeah, we do report on some of the bad news, you know, just to bring light to it. But um, yeah, check out the Disinsider.com. I'm working very hard to make it better every day, and uh, yeah. And John, where can people find you on the interweb? Well, two main places are uh, if you if you just kind of want to find everything that I'm writing and working on, Twitter is obviously the easiest uh, at John Agroni. That's where you can find my Adam Tickets column, and that's where I'm writing reviews for the Young Folks and the Spool.net. Uh, but you know, my podcast and Mahalix, we're still doing weekly movie <laughs> reviews. Go <laughs> us! <laughs> we're still doing lots go. of things. Um, yeah, yeah, we're reviewing like Netflix streaming, HBO, anything we can get our hands on, including VOD. If you're really curious about all the films that are coming out and like maybe you're not sure what to watch or what to you know, take a chance on, uh, my co-host Will Ashen and I review films, uh, as many films as we can. And so you can find all of our stuff on cinemaholics.com. We also do a lot to try to make you smile. Uh, our last episode was a Drake and Josh themed episode. <laughs> Um, nice. That's right. Will and I sang the Drake and Josh theme song. It was terrible. We loved it. And uh, yeah, if you want to have a good time, uh, just give the Cinemaholics a call on your podcaster of choice. And I highly suggest listening to Cinemaholics. It is one of my favorite movie podcasts out there. Also, make sure you go to Disinsider.com for everything Skyler's writing. You can reach me on the various social media networks at Andy is a Film Geek. And also make sure you check out all the other podcasts we have here on the Decast Podcast Network, the official podcast network of the Disinsider.com. And uh, with that, thank you, John Negroni, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Always welcome here. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Insiders. Mm-hmm.